Hello and welcome to the 100th episode of The Sausage Factory, which is brought to you as always by Spong.com and hosted by me, Chris O'Regan. In this show we interview video game developers and ask them how they made their start making games, what their influences are and who inspires them. Split into two halves, the show initially focuses on the developer themselves and in the second half discuss the game they're here to promote, which in this case is Forced Showdown by Beta Dwarf. Stefan, who are you and what do you do? I am, uh, yeah, uh, I'm the CEO and game director at uh, Bitter Dwarf and I uh, kind of uh, direct or design our games uh, together with the other people on uh, on our team. Um, so, yeah, I do a little of everything, also some marketing and business uh, ideas, uh, which you basically have to do when you run a company. Yeah, this is true. And especially if, uh, one has uh, been... Really successful with with Forced. Um, we did interview way back in November 2013, and here we are again, again. Uh, sorry, uh, um, sadly, uh, everyone. We did record this show before, and it eaten as his technology likes to do. Um, so we, here we are, Stefan and I, actually chatting again, which is not a pleasant experience, of course. But uh, you don't know this, but uh, this is the second attempt at recording the hundredth episode of the Sausage Factory. Enjoy. Um, <laughs> so, um, but no, this is a very special celebration because I encountered Stefan. It was Pax East. We bumped into each other, wasn't it? Was it Prime? I can't remember. Uh, yeah, I think it was, it was Prime, and also East, I guess. Yeah, you were at East because I said, "Oh, look." Your, your forced is still a thing and it's still happening and, and people are liking it and here we go you've got this brand new sort of sequel to it this follow on because uh, the setting of, 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 of um, Full Showdown is somewhat different and and a regular listener to the show would expect me to then delve into Stefan's history and, and you know what he's been playing and we can talk about what he's been playing but everything else quite frankly just go to episode one because this, this this man was indeed on episode one of the Sausage Factory, so Stefan is now graciously—I don't know why—agreed to reappear uh, <laughs> to to be on the show again for the third time, um, but technically in a second, um, to uh, to chat about um, Forced Showdown, which is a really 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 fun game. I'm really happy that he's on to to chat about it. But before we we do talk about Forced Showdown, I'd like to chat a little bit about well, what have you been playing? What I've been playing recently? Yeah, yeah, just other, other stuff. I've played a lot of uh, Hearthstone. Um, actually, uh, um, really a lot uh, recently, which because I'm... Is there an expansion recently? What's going on with that? A what? Is there an expansion for it? Uh, it's been, yeah, two months or something, mm. one and a half or something before the last expansion came out. And yeah, and I've just been trying to to finally reach uh, legendary but still haven't done it uh, because yeah i always fail to find the time right uh, and probably also i'm not i could be 10 percent better <laughs> i only <laughs> dabbled in it i haven't really played it enough i for some reason i'm not i haven't had its hooks lost slice into me i think i know why uh, this would be a really boring techie reason it's not because of the game it's because my provider is profoundly bad at providing internet access. Um, my, internet? My, yeah, my mobile, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, because my mobile phone, when I'm on the train, would be perfect to play it on, except my, my carrier is bad. It says it's 3G, but it's not. It's barely anything. As soon as my phone says 3G, I have barely any internet access. If it's 4G, it's fine, but 3, it just cuts out. 
and so I can't play any online games at all. Um, I've had this discussion with other developers who make games for mobile phones. They said, oh, it'll be fine. I said, no, trust me. Trust me, it's not. It's a bad carrier. Um, it's O2, by the way. Thanks. Um, mm. So, yeah, I can't play. So that means the only time I get to play it is when I'm at home or near a Wi-Fi. So it's, it's you know, you probably think there's quite a lot of places, but actually it's not. Uh, the best place for me to to play that sort of game is you know, but it just doesn't really happen. So I'm kind of cut off from a lot of uh, a lot of games like that. But what is it? Do you think? Because uh, obviously you're in, you know, there's there's aspects of um, Force Showdown that definitely uh, feels like um, sort of presentation wise and mechanically too in some aspects uh, from from Hearthstone. But uh, what is it? The thing you really draws you to that game? Um, I think it's the uh the lighthearted uh, competition aspect of it uh, it's really competitive uh, but not in a starcraftish way uh, where you almost don't dare to play a match um, and uh, then i really really love uh, your all card mechanics uh, of card games and, and hearthstone is just a, a good example of a good card game yeah. Um, yeah. and it has a huge community which of course also helps uh, it's, a, it's a reasonably less not so toxic community as well, from what I can gather. Yeah, probably because they've removed chat and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Because if you read like a patch update or something, it's just it's filled with toxicness as well. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> uh, and that's a problem with any um, creator of a, a multiplayer game: is it just gets swamped with, um, uh, yeah, with with, with um, I don't know, just people not really understanding the concept of if you're new to a game, then you um, uh, are going to do silly things because you you're not used to it, you don't understand it, and you get you know vilified for it. And it just doesn't make any sense because you were once the person yelling at those, those new players, they were a new player once as well. So how would you have felt like if you were told you were an idiot? Uh, yeah. it just doesn't make any sense without those new players the game that you like so much and play so much will die and it's just but you you try to explain this to people and they just well those but they, it's it's a very strange strange thing and you hear I that. guess it's the same uh, in traffic where you have this an, anonymity of sitting behind the wheel and in a, or behind a yeah, and you can sit in a car and then you're really really angry at people but if you are going to say it to their face it's a different story Absolutely. Although sometimes it's not. <laughs> that's the problem. And that's when you have <laughs> yeah. road rage. When yeah. someone gets up and that act of getting up, marching over to their door, whatever it is, and then hurling abuse at them face to face, you've reached that barrier. You've reached that point where, you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, it's it's pretty pretty galling. So, anything else apart from Hearthstone? Um, I don't know. It's just like a really solid package and uh, probably one of the best uh, online games, uh, online card games that uh, I've tried so far. Oh, right. Yeah, we uh, spoke about that last time. Again, the show that got eaten and died, uh, we did talk about it last time. And I sent you a link to Millennium Blade, didn't I? Did you read up? Yeah, that was the, something where you made your own game or something, right? Yeah, you played. It was like a game of a game, of an experience. So it's a simulation of a collectible card game but isn't a collectible card game. So it, it simulates the experience of playing in collectible card games, collecting them, buying them, and then playing in tournaments. 
<laughs> it's just amazing. And it comes in thousands of cards. I'm not joking, not just hundreds, thousands of cards. They're That's boxed. pretty impressive. It's really incredible. And do have a read up of that. Um, listeners, do have a look up. It's it's a very odd game. Very odd. And it has different like scenarios and you have actually people you can have like oh this is very strange and all the the cards are exquisitely designed and it does look and feel like a genuine game of an you know a ccg but it isn't <laughs> you know it's just very very strange and i think someone backed it on kickstarter that's why it's one of those classic kickstarter games but uh, it could never never possibly um work as a as a commercial game a commercial in uh, concern but it became one, you know. It's, uh, but yeah, the fact that it, it thinks about games upon games. Any other card games then that you're playing? I've played Soulforge. Um, yes. And and the real life Magic: The Gathering, and also the digital versions. Um, and Clash Royale, and oh, yeah, Clash Royale. and some other like minor ones that I only played very little. Right. Right. Yeah, I've never gone to Magic. Um, tried it over and over again, but I don't know. It's just doesn't really appeal. I'm, I much preferred the Warhammer, not Warhammer, Warcraft, um, World of Warcraft. Card game, yeah, card game. Which was, I've never tried that. Yeah, well, you have because you're playing Hearthstone. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so it's very similar to that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but imagine that as a genuine physical card game. I still got lots of it. <laughs> <laughs> throw it away I just still got because I spent a lot of small but, amount of money on it but one super interesting thing they did was uh, the idea of raids where you were like several characters with decks against the raid boss I think that was pretty interesting yes I have those as well I have those but I never tried it no nor did I sadly I only had one on one but I do yeah, okay. have the equipment to do it I might do it one day I might because oh, you can, it's one you know, a one-off game. It's like it's just like any other regular board game. If you if you develop it right and you treat it right, it's like oh yeah, it's just a regular, you know, it's just, it's just it's, it's, you're basically doing a raid or simulating a raid as you would in in WoW. Um, yeah. Speaking of WoW, have you seen the film? I have, yes. Oh, and I think, it, yeah. How is it? I haven't seen it. I, I'm. I didn't have high expectations, but I might admit, I must admit that I think it was. Actually, really good. <laughs> wow. Um, okay. well, yeah, so it, it kind of was better than I expected. So I guess that was really good. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting, uh, you know, because um, I hear that if you've played WoW for any length of time, you get a lot from this film because there's lots of like nods to certain areas and events. Is that true? Yeah, but also very much to Warcraft 3, and I played that game probably more than WoW. Yeah, the game that brought birth to Dota. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know you and I know that, but a lot of people don't. I mean, Dota is, no, no. is a mod. It's a mod. That's what it was. That they support. How would they? Yeah, uh, amazing, the fact that they... Uh, that's the amazing thing, isn't it? Like uh, Counter-Strike was a mod for Half-Life. Was it? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I do hear of people. I was listening to a podcast over there, and someone said, "Oh, I don't like, you know, don't really get into mods." I'm like, yeah, you might. Yeah, don't don't say that too loudly because a lot of the best games you've ever played in your life have started life as a mod, uh, and that's not a problem. That's not a bad thing. In fact, some of the best developers started life as modders. Um, I'm sure you know a fair few. Um, that's, that's my point anyway. Okay, so anything else? Or should we move on to the second half? Sure, let's do that. Let's do that. <laughs> 
So, you're, 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 you're turn to pitch for the second time. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Um, tell us about... Um, yeah, tell us about um, Force Showdown. Yeah, so so how far have you reached into it? Um, boss sort of thing, you know. I, I, I got into... I got reasonably far, um, but um, it's hard to actually measure. What, what do you mean? Uh, like, I guess you uh, you you have played the first campaign oh, then. Oh, yeah, played and, the uh, first campaign. Yeah. yeah I, was, I was about halfway through the second, I think. Maybe so okay, yeah. So. But yeah, uh, the game is like a yeah, combination. It's uh, some would say that it's it's a roguelike deck building game, but uh, where the action is kind of like a twin stick shooter, um, and you have your character that you enter a randomly generated adventure with, and the adventure consists of a set amount of battles, and in each battle, your goal is to defeat the uh, opponent uh, boss, so to say. And in each of these battles, you have to survive eight rounds where you then encounter the boss at the end. And during these rounds, you have to level up your characters with cards. And those cards are the cards that you chose yourself and put into a deck. And then you randomly get those uh, during the the arena, uh, the eight arenas that you're going through. And then it's your job to like play the best ones for for uh, the situation-based arenas that you're encountering, but also build up your character towards the boss that you encounter at the end. So it's like a mix of uh, skill, uh, twitch skills, and then uh, tactical decisions in relation to which cards you choose to level up your character with. Uh, or you can do like you can also play like a card that's only like good for one arena, but it could be good if the arena is really really tough and it will save you a lot of health that you can then have against the boss. So and I hope that kind of makes sense. It does, it does, and it does lead on to my first sort of formal question to you, and it's something I wanted to talk about before we had a chat before the recording of the show, and there's aspects of this game that I wanted to focus on was that I think. How important, how really important is it for choosing cards over and above your own ability to, to, of your skill in order to compete at a level? What I'm trying to say is that if in the event you do have a bad deck, in inverted commas, that won't hinder your progress to the point where you have to start again. Uh, we've we've basically aimed at designing it so that in theory you are able to complete the game with the starting deck, but it would be super hard, uh, and there will be some uh, battles that have modifiers that uh, that might be roadblocks. So it's it's kind of also about learning the different uh, systems. Uh, in the game, and uh, you you kind of know them before you enter the battle. So it's also about uh, choosing stuff that is is okay for your uh, particular deck that you've designed. If that makes sense, uh, you could, for instance, uh, end up in a battle where there's a rule that says you 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 get you draw two cards in each arena. Uh, but you take damage if you have more than five cards on your hand when you start an arena, and that is, of course, a huge problem for decks that are that only have like high mana cards. Yes, yes, I, I can. So in that way, you have to kind of learn the different systems in the game and avoid that, which is problematic for your deck. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's something I've been experimenting with. You know, optimizing one's deck based on the 
the enemy or the, the creatures you're fighting and the boss at the end. Because that's what's really I'm finding is that the, the eight levels you go through are more like a means to an end to get to the boss. You may disagree, but that's basically how I see the game, is that it's all about a preparation. Because what's really quite interesting, and I haven't really mentioned, is the fact that you, you have um, your health starts from maximum, and then as you progress through the rounds, your health doesn't reset or anything like that. It stays as it was the previous one. So there's a definite case of careful self-preservation going on, isn't there? Indeed, yeah. You get full health once you complete uh, a match, but uh, in, from from arena to arena, you don't really replenish it unless you have cards that does it, of course. So, well, a blunt question to you on that is the next design question really is why? Uh, why you you don't replenish your yeah, health? Why did you do that? I know why, but uh, I, want you to, I want you to explain it because I think I've got a pretty good idea why. But why did you do that? I think the main reason is that it makes each arena much more meaningful um, because it's about how effective can you be in terms of saving your health for the remainder of the battles. And I think that's overall what makes a lot of roguelikes more interesting because you you play a lot of the same content, but it keeps it interesting because you can always be more efficient at it. And efficiency is basically how much health can you avoid losing. And that's, yeah, it's just the optimizing play, doing the min-maxing nonsense and that sort of thing, but just making sure that you are it's rewarding a player for their skill. If they are relatively unscathed, and I know there's achievements in there for, for this, for, for doing that, but it's something that's encouraged, that you, it's a resource that's more or less non-existent. You can get cards to heal you, but if you buy that card to heal you, then you're you're using that mana or using that resource, expending that on something that could be more destructive, rather than and more beneficial than just healing you, because all it is is you know yes it's it's making your chance of survival increases your chance of survival, but at what cost? That means you've now used that mana or those that that power to gain that card as opposed to a card that might be more useful. Am I right in thinking that? Yes, but sometimes it's also important to remember that having a lot of life can also mean more damage. Uh, a lot of people have the tendency of saying as soon as you spend, uh, uh, let's say, resources on health, that is totally wasted uh, damage. But it's not always like that. It, health can also mean that you can sustain uh, uh, opponent damage while you're dealing damage, meaning that you don't have to interrupt your attacks and stuff like that. So... And now we're going to, unfortunately, repeat a question we did last time. Sorry, Stefan. But, uh, and again, apologies to the listeners, but it's, we might be able to expand, expand a little bit more than we did last time. But So the theme of Forced Showdown is very different from the original game. I didn't see it coming at all, didn't know where you are going with this, and like, oh, it, it, something very odd is going on in this world. Um, Forced um, came across as this high fantasy medieval setting, uh, in a way. Uh, yet, turns out, it's actually a gladiatorial TV show uh, with sarcastic end bosses and you know showmans and cameras flying around. Um, how did this come about? Um, so it's from the original game. It's always been about uh, gladiators, and gladiators is basically a show format, uh, kind of invented to. Uh, 
to just grab the attention from poor people and and focus it on something else so they wouldn't complain about society and stuff like that and uh, it's kind of what we also wanted to do in a futuristic version here um so the first game was about these gladiators who were forced to uh, to to basically train to see if they could survive and then go somewhere but you didn't really know throughout the whole game where that go somewhere were um and that's basically what showdown tells you that uh, that you end up in this uh, forever loop of um, of entertainment, uh, where there is this crazy character Caesar, which is of course an inspiration from the original Rome Caesar, when was like part of uh, inventing uh, the Colosseum uh, battles, and uh, and that's kind of the reasoning. Uh, I guess the biggest twist is also like the lightheartedness of the humor and so on. It's a little less uh, evil in comparison to the first game yes it is it is it, it's a complete um pivot using that phrase and i just did but it's definitely a, a change in theme and ethos but the actual core game and the the skill required is is, is not reflective of that it's just that you're still having you're still a gladiator you still have honor you still want to get through this thing and see it to the end uh, and uh, that's, that's what a great roguelike is, really. Um, so, the last question then, and um, this sort of relates to what I've just said, really, is, is what has been um, carried over from um, from Forced, and also how does Forced Showdown encourage repeat play? Okay, so what carries over is that uh, it's basically the combat mechanics, the way that you control your characters is totally similar, except for yeah, actually also combo points in one of the characters that we had in uh, in, uh, in Force, but it's a little different. But it's mainly the controls and, and the, the view and so on and the way that you combat. And uh, almost everything else is not really... Uh, carried over which is also why we didn't want to call it a sequel because we'll probably do a real sequel at some point um it's more like a di- diversion into a a more single player focused game because force was re- not really intended for single player game no it was it was a co-op game and we spoke about this last time again apologies listeners but uh, we you, the, the the evolution or how this how forced showdown came about is you saw more and more people playing in some, playing forced on their own and like well we, we wanted to do that but you seem to be having fun with it let's run with that for a little bit and that's right i'm right in thinking that aren't i yeah so basically we just wanted to have a solid co-op experience and a solid single player experience that was the idea of making showdown um and what was the second question Sorry. oh it's just um how, how you how do you encourage repeat play? Because that's the core of any roguelike, is that in the event that you fail, and believe me, you will, because it's quite hard. Um, you know, how do you encourage players to have another go? What's the, what's the carry-on from the previous session they've had that encourages them to, to, to keep bashing away at it? Yeah, uh, that is, in my, in my opinion, people will basically not play a roguelike anymore when they don't have an idea of or when they feel that there's not any more stuff to achieve so uh, so basically the idea is that there was a ton of stuff to achieve there's three different campaigns and there's emblems to make those campaigns even harder with 
Um, and it will take quite uh, some time to reach that. I mean, the campaigns are pretty short if you think about duration only, but they're super hard, so you can usually like end up dying on your way uh, through a campaign. But then we wanted to add something that makes it interesting to play the campaign again, and that's typically getting some new cards that you can like change your character with before you enter the campaign again. So it's that combination of new challenges or constant different challenges you can select from, and... Um, and your tools that also vary uh, because you get like permanent progression in the way that you get a little bit of better stats uh, throughout your journey in the game, but like that you get permanently and also uh, you get a bit of bigger card collection. Yes. Yes, you do. You gather more cards, the more things you do, even if you fail, you still gain more cards to add to your deck. And that just gives you more and more weapons and more and more choice and flexibility to actually overcome the foes that you're facing, and that yeah. So and, and then you of course also have your like quest uh, quest progress where you can that is I guess explains your progress throughout the game uh, plus emblems. Yes, yeah, and visually it's 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 much better than Force actually. Force is pretty high quality with regards to graphics and visuals, but uh, you certainly pulled the stops out with Force Showdown. Was there a particular driver for that, or is it just something that naturally came to pass? Uh, well, first of all, thank you, but it's mainly also because Forstwood was made while we were kind of students, right. um, and uh, we had way better resources when we made a showdown. Like, uh, and and overall, we were better better developers because now we had a lot of experience. Yeah. So that yeah, uh, I heard the, yeah. Uh, the story of. Um, Phil Fish, bless him. Uh, <laughs> he of he of Fez fame and and little else. Um, but he he told a story of one reason, one many many reasons why Fez took so long to make because he was just learning how to do pixel art. And then when he finally got to the later stages, when he was making you know making levels, he was getting better and better at it. And then he looked at the earlier stuff he'd done, and it was terrible compared to what he was done later. So he did have to go back to the earlier stuff and rebuild it all. I'm not suggesting you did it here, but there's a bit of that going on, is there not? And we did that with the first Forst, uh, where we scrapped our, all our models and so on twice, until our third iteration was the final one. Wow. And uh, in Showdown, we didn't we'd never scrap, but we scrapped a lot of... Uh, we wanted to reuse a lot of Forst uh, models and so on, because they were basically kind of the same creatures in Showdown, but we decided to scrap quite a few of them and just make them yeah, more beautiful in Showdown. Yes, yeah. and that's that certainly paid off. The, I think what struck me is the, uh, it's the fluid animation of everything, but also the lighting. And you probably, not, that's probably, probably didn't spot that, or maybe didn't focus it. I don't know, but I just, that's what really struck me is how the, the levels are lit, and it's only, it's yeah. only the certain parts like, this is important, this really isn't much. And it's very subtle, but you probably did it subconsciously. Or maybe you didn't, I don't know. But It is something we spend a lot of time on, and we also have like a dedicated person sitting and making lights and effects. Because yeah. you can't get like, um, find yourself hiding a section like that. You need to know about that. We don't want to you know, put a big spotlight on it, but they need to know that they can go there, but they really shouldn't be going there, otherwise things are going to happen to them. So, um, yeah, that's it's just really, really good. So, Stefan? Thank yeah. you very, very, very much for being on the show again. <laughs> <laughs> or the third time, I guess. 
um, and uh, I, I can assure you, this show will not be eaten by by the the, the whatever gremlins that appeared last time. Um, so, again, the platforms that it's available on. Could you remind me? Yes, uh, we actually just released it uh, three days ago on Mac and Linux. Uh, okay. And then it's on PC, and it will also arrive at uh, on Xbox One and uh, PS4, and probably also Wii U in, I don't know, uh, but it will be sooner than later. Yes, yes. I thought you were about to reveal that it's going to come out in the NX then. I thought, oh, look, he's working on an NX port. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> there will actually also be some cool news at the end of July. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's that's excellent news. And also, we'd love to have you back on for the fourth time, or third time, to chat about your new enterprise, whatever that may be. Um, I know you sure. cannot tell me what it is, and I really and sympathise with that. But I'm sure it's going to be an extraordinary thing based on your current output. It's going to be an amazing thing. So, um, again, thank you, thank you very much uh, for your for your input. I do have to ask though on the on the console ports. I, I actually play it with mouse and keyboard. How have you found doing um, the the controller? I never actually played it with a controller, but because uh, the precise aiming you need is quite is quite interesting. How have you solved that problem? Uh, kind of like enforced. It's it's a twin stick shooter, so it was designed to be well playable uh, with the controller from the start. Okay. So it's not really a problem for us. Yeah, I, uh, I, yeah. A lot of yeah. The reason I, I yeah. say that is because I was playing a lot of Doom recently, <laughs> and that that game yeah. needs a mouse and keyboard. I'm sure you appreciate. Uh, well, yeah. In my opinion, sorry, console fans, um, and I played um, Force Showdown with it, and I mouse and keyboard, so I just get that precise. Aim as you blast things around. It's awesome. And I mean, nothing can compete with mouse and keyboard. But if when you have to play with a controller, I would say twin stick shooters are pretty good yeah, for that. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Right. Okay. I've kept you far too long as it is. Have a great afternoon, and uh, I will hopefully speak to you again soon. Thank you, Stefan. Cool. Yeah. Thank you too, Chris. And so ends another episode of the Sausage Factory. Do leave us an iTunes review. And you can also, don't forget, listen to us on Stitcher.com. So just go to Stitcher.com and you can stream the show from there. You just look up the Sausage Factory and you can find us. That'd be great. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris O'Regan, no apostrophes. And uh, if you want to email me, any feedback on the show or actually you're a developer you listen to this show and want your game featured on it please do email me at chris at spong.com also don't forget to check out the computer game show which is the stable mate podcast should we say of spong.com bye